Hello and welcome to the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from pet owners about their projects, businesses and ventures. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, founder of Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with pet owners to chat about their individual journeys and of course, their beloved pets. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Cat Mass Day Chronicles podcast. This week we are joined by Carla Francis, also known as author C.J. Fentiman. She is the founder of a pet-friendly website and author of Travelling with Pets, Edition 5. Carla's second book is a newly released travel memoir titled The Cat with Free Passports. The book is about a girl struggling to fit in, a homeless kitten and an unexpected job offer in an unfamiliar country that changes everything. Carla has been extensively featured in the UK, across Australia, on CBS Radio, and more. I have been really looking forward to this conversation for quite a while now. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us today, Carla. I've briefly introduced you already, but if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be great. Great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I am the author of two pet books related to travel. I'm originally from the UK, but I live in Australia now and I lived in Japan for approximately about four years. Uh, I'm in Australia now with my partner and my three cats. And my most recent book, I had some good news that it was nominated for an award in USA for narrative nonfiction. Amazing. Yay. I'm very happy very with that. Good news. News. Yeah, I'm great. So I'm so Thank you. Um, but yeah, I would love to start off by talking about your pet friendly accommodation website. Tell us why you created this website and what it's all about. Right. So I started the website in 2012 when I came back to Australia uh, the second time after living in Japan. So in Japan, I saw people going everywhere with their cats or dogs as well. So at my Sayonara party, for example, which is a goodbye party, uh, my friend brought her pet cat to the bar where we had the party. Um, I saw cats on the train. I saw cats in restaurants. And then when I got to Australia, the rules are really, really strict around where pets can and can't go. But I wanted to take my cat on holiday. And at the time, you couldn't take them anywhere. You'd phone up and people would think that you were crazy even suggesting it. So it was a niche that I wanted to fill. And living in Japan really inspired me to do this. Um, I guess the website uh, is accommodation-based predominantly, but we also have tips on uh, cafes and restaurants where you can take your predominantly dog, I guess, because most people still travel with their dogs. Um, and like doggy days out events that are coming up so yeah I mean it's grown and grown and grown we do uh, product reviews as well so yeah it's it's taken off definitely that's amazing I'm so interested I never knew that about Japan that people travel with their cats that is so cool 
Yeah, I mean, I had a really interesting, which kind of really was, you know, when you have those uh, aha moments, it was when I was um, up in Lake Inoshiro, which was close to where we were living at the time. And we was walking around this beautiful lake and I saw, and this this features in uh, the book as well, this scene, uh, there was a a beautiful little uh, Burmese cat and she was blind in one eye, looked quite elderly. And sitting next to her was her, um, a big chocolate Labrador and they were camping by the lake together and I was like wow this is so awesome this is exactly what I wanted to do you know but didn't think it was possible at the time but I saw it and was like yeah it, it can be done you know wow that yeah. is literally the dream like honestly yeah. I need to get to Japan now because this is really inspiring me to take a trip <laughs> as soon as I can <laughs> um, but yeah, tell us about some of your um, favourite pet-friendly places to go, whether it's in Australia or elsewhere. Okay, so I guess in Australia, close to Sydney, we always used to go to the Blue Mountains for a weekend. It's probably about two and a half, depending on the traffic, or four, maybe four hours sometimes uh, to get there out of Sydney. And it's beautiful. Um, you're surrounded by nature and forests, and they have lots of very cool restaurants. And the particular house that we stay in has um, a very big garden and lots of um, natural trees in there. So we take the cats there and walk them around on a harness. Um, It's like a pine forest, so it's really quiet and really beautiful. Uh, Very popular is, if you're traveling with a pet, is caravan parks. So the caravan parks nowadays are on on another level, honestly. They um, They offer pet sitting. They even have doggy washes. They even have agility courses nowadays because it's I think people have realized and they've caught on to the fact that traveling with pets is such a huge market. If you don't tap into that and you're missing out. So Mm -hmm. the the amount of things that are being offered to pet owners is phenomenal now. Yeah, yeah. A lot more than before, because, you know, back in the day, this would be unheard of, wouldn't it? Well, people kind of accuse me of uh, creating a criminal activity sometimes when I used to call call up and say, can I bring my cat or can I bring a dog? They'd say, this is against the bylaws of the city. You cannot do this. No, they can't stay in a hotel. And, you know, fast forward to 2021, pretty much everybody is doing it owns a pet. So, yeah, it's phenomenal. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I want to find out more about traveling with cats because you know it's known that people do travel with their dogs and I would say yeah that's probably you know what you hear the most because you know dogs are quite chilled and and then I guess maybe not as anxious as cats um and they're used to being out and about and and they're used to loud noises some of them um but yeah, recently I've heard more and more people traveling with their cats. And, and like we were just talking about, like before, like recently, I'd never really heard about it. So yeah, I'd love to know more about traveling with a cat. Like, what is it like? And um, yeah, do you have any tips as well? Yeah, sure. So I think it all comes down to the individual cats. Um, so I traveled how many years ago, probably three years ago with my three cats. So we drove the equivalent of uh, driving from London to Istanbul in a camper van. So it was kind of hectic anyway. Um, Two of the cats hated it, if I'm honest. They didn't really like it at all. Um, But the other cat loved it. He rode shotgun with me most of the journey and didn't (laughs) want to get out of the seat. 
wanted to jump out whenever we stopped. Uh, very kind of charismatic, confident cat. But the other two were rescue cats. So they didn't take so well to it. So I think you have to be mindful and know your cat's personality first and know what they're suited to, I would say, is probably the most important thing. Um, I know Burmese are very kind of outgoing cats and I think they're kind of called like dog cats because their personalities are so strong. So I think, yeah, first of all, you need to check you know your cat's personality and whether they'd be suitable to travel especially if it's long distance like we did yeah. um but taking things like uh we bought a big um pl- pets like playpen so it's netted so they can see out but you could also fit a, a kitty litter tray in there food bowls so you don't have to physically get them out so the two that were not so confident they could just stay in this uh, pet pen and we could lift it out of the camper van put it outside and then at nighttime bring it in so they had an experience of being out but in a safe environment uh the other thing is um we invested in some quite good calming sprays as well uh to relax them on the journey because obviously cats don't like the noises of vehicles so make sure that it's a calm environment we really also used to play cats classical music to the cats as well because that's supposed to have a calming influence um i think some people have actually made uh specific like uh things that you can download or a stream that are for cats to relax them as well which is interesting um and yeah make sure you have everything you need have a good harness for safety always have their id tags so if they do run off or and separate from you you can you know if somebody finds them they can relocate them to you and be reunited have uh, kitty litter, definitely poo bags and wet wipes in case there's any accidents on route. Okay. Yeah, um, so a lot to remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know though. Um, so would you say like it's probably better to get a cat used to going out and about as a kitten? Um, I would say not necessarily as a kitten, but it would be good to have short journeys. Um, and if you are putting them in any sort of basket or carrier, get them used to that initially. So you could put treats in there, have like their favorite blanket in there. So they recognize the smell because cats are very, um, smell oriented. Um, so, and build up the trip. So if you're planning a long trip, maybe do a couple of shorter trips or maybe quite a few shorter trips, you know, start off with around the block. So they get used to the motion and then build up, maybe do a weekend away or something until you do the longer ones, because all of our cats had done weekends away before we did the huge big trip. So they kind of were a little bit more prepared for it. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Was just easing them in. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. But talking about traveling cats, let's move on to talking about your fantastic recent book, The Cat with Free Passports. So give us a short synopsis about what that's about. Sure. So it's uh, about what a Japanese cat taught me about an old culture and new beginnings. Uh, each chapter starts with a Japanese idiom. So, for example, I think cha- it was chapter two starts with like a borrowed cat. And the meaning behind that is if you gave a cat to somebody else, it would feel awkward in a new environment, which was exactly how I felt when I arrived in Japan, not knowing the language or knowing the culture. 
Um, and the new beginnings part, obviously the old culture part is about Japanese culture. And the new beginnings is about, um, I guess, the influence that Japan had on me and how it living in a new culture that's very different to your own taught me to see the world from a very different and unique perspective. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm a huge Japan lover. I love Japanese food, culture, the country, although I haven't been and I'm really excited about finally getting the chance to go. Um, I've even discussed it with my partner as a potential honeymoon. Um, oh. Yeah, we're not we're not um, engaged yet, but like it's, it's in my book. <laughs> you know, everyone has, well, some people have that kind of book where they plan things and, and Japan has always been um, on the agenda for me because it's such Yeah, a- mine was always Italy, actually, the honeymoon in Italy. <laughs> okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, but no, I'd love to know more about your experience in Japan and discovering, is it Ikigai? Ikigai, yeah, Ikigai. So it's um, it's a combination of two words. So Iki means life and Gai means your value or your worth. So it's about finding your purpose in life. And obviously for me, that was writing and pets. Um, and I didn't, you know, that didn't come to me overnight. That just came through living in the culture and seeing some of my Japanese friends that were starting up businesses. Um, so one guy had a shop of clothes shop that was all made out of hemp which was quite different at the time yeah um another guy had a reggae bar because he loved reggae (laughs) Japanese guy and then another Japanese guy had a bar that was completely devoted to Bob Dylan (laughs) I mean that truly is an example of living you know living your passion exactly so I was like wow you know and you I think if you're British or if you look at Japan you think it's quite a conservative country mm. but then we were fortunate enough to live um, in the on the mountains in uh, the Japanese Alps and there was all these really kind of strong eccentric people that were really living you know their dream and doing what they wanted every day and it was so inspirational I thought you know I was always told growing up you should work in a bank you should you know, go and do a sensible job. And I just didn't want to do that. So when I saw these people that I assumed were kind of very conservative and they weren't doing what, you know, society necessarily says that you should do, they were living their passion and doing what they believed in. I was like, wow, okay, maybe I could do that too. Honestly, it sounds like it was meant to be. And it sounds like, you know, when, when I'm listening to you speak, I can really relate to, to what you're saying about like the whole kind of getting a sensible job. Like I'm really not a nine to five person. That's oh, me neither. <laughs> and I've me tried, neither. I've tried, I've tried to work in an office. I've worked in a bank, but it's just, it's not happy. It's not happiness for me. It's really not. No, no not yeah. at all. And I mean, I really respect the people that do it because you have to be so disciplined. But I'm just, yeah, it's not for me, definitely. I mean, I think this is why I have more than one degree because I just couldn't let go of the student life, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. And I I ended up actually teaching at university because I love the student life so much. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. No, I was just going to say I completely get it because, you know, when you're at university, you feel like you're a, a part of 
something bigger and everybody's there with the same kind of ideas and dreams and it's a very positive environment to be in and I started in London and it was so multicultural and the people I met there were just you know from all walks of life I remember one of my classes had an American Marine in the class it had a guy from Morocco Swedish Mexican like you name it Congo everywhere and it was just like wow this is you know this is true education so I loved being at university really oh absolutely and university in London yeah it's so diverse it's so nice to meet and connect with people I think that that's what I really took out of the whole experience to be honest it was me too (laughs) yeah (laughs) me too so yeah completely relate to that um what is there anything else about Japan that you really um loved and enjoyed while you were there I think uh, you know at the beginning I kind of struggled with it because they don't really and I hate using you know they but the Japanese didn't they're so polite that they don't say what they mean so, you know, we're very used to being in, in the UK, I think, being quite open with our thoughts, maybe too much so, not really considering <laughs> the other person. But it could be a little bit frustrating if you really wanted an answer maybe from your boss or your friends and everyone would just kind of agree with you and you knew that they didn't really agree with you. Mm-hmm. So that I found a bit of a challenge at first. Um, and in meetings, so you weren't really allowed to disagree with your boss. So for me, working in the UK, it was always if you have a meeting, it's to thrash out ideas and, and to move forward and be creative. But there it was a big no-no. You just had to agree with everything management was saying. So I think a lot of other Westerners struggled with that as well. Yeah. However, having said that, you know, politeness, uh, just and respect for everything, old people especially, like I loved uh, when we went to temples, you know, on New Year's Eve or a special occasion and you would see a family of, you know, the children, grandchildren, grandparents and maybe even great parents all together. And you rarely see that in Western countries. Yeah. So I, I really kind of respect that um, respect for family as well. It's, it's really nice to see. It sounds beautiful. It honestly sounds like such a beautiful place. Um, and yeah, I did. I I actually so I watched a documentary about Japan. I can't remember. It was on like Amazon Prime or something. And I heard about um, the politeness and, and not agreeing with with um, you know disagreeing. Sorry. Um, and <laughs> I heard that um, one guy was talking about um, an outlet. And he said, well, his outlet to kind of get out the true emotions that he had inside was to do karaoke. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found yeah. that so amazing. <laughs> or, or drink a lot of sake as well. Could be yeah. Another outlet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, such a lovely and unique place, honestly. Um, and I bet a lot of people have said to you, like after reading your book, that they really want to just go and travel there to see it for themselves. Yeah, and you know what? The really interesting thing is I've had two comments recently from Japanese people. Uh, one girl lives in the UK and the other one lives in New Zealand. And they said, you know, because of COVID, they couldn't get back to Japan. So reading my book made, the, you know, helped them with homesickness, which was really special to me because I didn't really want the book to be, you know, a Westerner's take on Japan because there's so many of those kind of books. So it meant so much to me that somebody that was Japanese had read it and actually kind of agreed with what I said and it resonated with them as well, which that made me really, really happy when I heard that. 
Oh, I think it's probably because you really immersed yourself within the culture and you wasn't just there as like an observer, like you participated within, you know, the traditions and, and the culture. I did. Funnily enough, though, I didn't initially, you know, at first I was a bit, yeah, I was a bit hesitant to because I didn't want to be one of those cliched tourists that go to tea ceremonies and, you know, look a bit ridiculous. So I was I was kind of hesitant to at the beginning. But I think when I started to understand more about the culture and I understood what the tea ceremony stood for or different elements of the culture were about, then I was a more willing to immerse myself in it so at the beginning I was like oh no I don't want to come across as one of those crazy kind of westerners that look awkward and (laughs) do do everything wrong you know so yeah it took me a while to get immersed I think yeah 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 okay but tell us about the cat is there a cat island in Japan there's actually two yeah there's two cat islands so I've been to one and the one that I went to is uh, near, it's uh, Ishinomaki. And um, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. Oh, it's quite wow. difficult to get to, though. We had to take the train up from Tokyo and yes. then to Sendai and then a very, very slow, they're called JR line, so Japanese rail line. And that, it was so slow. I think I counted 22 stops because it was so slow. We made sure we got the rapid uh, on the way back, the express train. Um, But getting there, it was just, I mean, there's hardly any people that live there. Cats outnumber the residents. And you arrive and the cats are sitting at the port waiting to meet people because obviously they know that people bring treats to them. And they follow you all around the island. So you walk all around the island and you go to various places and all of the cats follow you. It's amazing. And there's one shop on the island and they sell cat food because that's probably the thing they sell most there. Yeah. Um, and she was a lovely lady. And she was about, I think, 95 years old, the lady on the island. She was so sweet. Um, and she directed me. I said, oh, where can we find the cat temple? So they have a cat temple there. And we walked up this hill to the cat temple. And it was amazing because people that had visited from all different countries. So there were little flags from Australia, flags from Canada, flags from USA, um, all left there. And people had even bought stones with cat faces on. It was really, really cute. I'm not that organized to do that. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it it was so nice to think that all these people had been there before and, you know, and interacted with the cats and everything. Yeah, it was a great experience. No, it sounds lovely and it sounds like they're like really treated really well and they seem really, from what you're saying, they seem quite happy. So that's really lovely. Well, I think I think they've uh, breathed new life. Um, it, it wasn't doing so well and then a, quite a few Western bloggers found out about it and it got really, really popular in the West. Um, and then lots of people started to go there. So it kind of had a resurgence and... Um, yeah, and I think it's because of the cats, it's kind of breathed new life and a, a kind of a feline economy, if you like, into the island. So it's great. Yeah, well, you know, so many people love cats. So I'm yeah. not surprised. <laughs> um, It'd be a nice place to retire, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Cat lovers dream. <laughs> and they even have holiday houses. They're not open all year round. I think they're only open a couple of months in the summer. Uh, but they're cat-shaped, which is so cool. Oh, so I'd love to go back and stay in one of those. Oh, my gosh. Literally, listening to this conversation, 
after we talk, I'm going to have a conversation with my boyfriend and I'm going to say, can we look at booking Japan? Like, <laughs> you could go there for your honeymoon, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I need to go there. I need to go there. <laughs> but um, yeah, you've travelled to, you know, quite a few places, I believe, and, and your books have been likely well received in various countries because, yeah, like we spoke about earlier, cats are loved around the world. Is there anywhere else you would love to visit? Is there anywhere on the cards that you're planning to visit? Um, well, there's three places when uh, I thought about this. Um, if I come back to the UK, which I do plan to at some stage, um, in Clapham, mm. uh, there's a house uh, that used to be lived in by a famous Japanese writer called Natsumi Sozeki. And he's famous for writing a book called I Am a Cat, which I'm actually reading at the moment. So the house used to be a museum. And I unfortunately, I don't think it's open anymore, but I would still like to go and have a look at the street where he resided. And he also wrote a book called The Tower of London, um, which was about him living in London in the early 1900s and how he was received being a Japanese person in London at that time, you can imagine. Um, so that was a great read. I loved it. And I love the way that he writes. It's, it's very sharp and very, very witty. Um, also, I would like to go another writer. I would love to go to in uh, Florida, in the USA, Key West, Ernest Hemingway's house. Uh, the remaining cats there are descendants from his actual cats so wow. it's a it's a museum and you can go there and I think his cats had six toes there was something strange about the cat's feet anyway so all the cats that are there have these strange feet that Ernest, Ernest Hemingway's cats had so I'd love to go there as well wow that sounds yeah. awesome and I love how yeah. they're like cats and book related places yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I definitely think I'll be adding those to my list of books because they sound very interesting. Yeah, fascinating. Just because the uh, historical content as well, I, I think that's why I really, really like them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love I love um, period dramas and, and books, old books. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a time traveling thing. Like you can kind of imagine what it's like to be. Yeah. And you can even like picture the clothes they're wearing because he's so descriptive. There was one line in his book that he said um, people were so well dressed in London. I'm probably going to get the quote wrong, but he felt like um, a shaggy dog among gentlemen because everybody was so well dressed yeah <laughs> and I thought that was beautiful because you can conjure up exactly how he would have felt and what other people yeah. were wearing yeah oh, interesting mm. um, but tell us a bit more about your um other book traveling with pets the fifth edition okay yep so it's on the fifth edition um we've just reprinted actually the first uh, run of print that we did sold out in five weeks it was phenomenal and that was because of lockdown no one was allowed to leave their uh, leave the country Australia so there was a huge campaign to holiday here this year so it sold out in five weeks it was amazing so we've reprinted it again and the new edition has got uh, doggy day days out so if there's like doggy festivals or which they're very popular here actually doggy festivals um maybe places that you can stop off on route that some of my followers have told me about. So a lot of my followers are like van life people that travel constantly 
in their vans with cats or dogs. Um, so they'll, they might write in to me and say, oh, my God, we found this amazing lookout and it's dog friendly or cat friendly and you can stay there and look at this beautiful view with your pet. So we put some of those in there. We've also got um, cafe and pub guides as well. So it's been really expanded, this version, and it is getting quite big, actually. It's going to be quite difficult to send it via post eventually. Um, and, of course, we've got accommodation, caravan parks, uh, hotels, motels. Yeah, and I also have the little icons in there. So, you know, like with the Lonely Planet guides, yeah. they have different icons to say price range and things. We've got icons that tell you which pets are allowed. So if there's a cat cat icon, dog, dog icon, bird. And then we've got one for all animals because quite a few places, if they're a farm, they will allow you to take horses as well. So, yeah. Nice, yeah. And people have llamas as pets these days. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that quite a lot of people receive one. I guess, like, is is Australia like here where, like, it's like a nation of pet lovers? Yeah, I think it's 60% of the population have got a pet here. So I think it's even higher than the UK. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that grew, actually, with uh, in COVID, yeah. (laughs) Oh, um, but Christmas is fast approaching. I can't believe how quickly it's coming around. I know. <laughs> Another <laughs> year older. <laughs> I know. But um, why would your books be a great gift for someone? Well, actually, as you say, um, Christmas is fast approaching and that's always our busiest time of year. And I guess that's because mainly because it's a very thoughtful gift if you're buying for an animal lover. It's affordable. It's easy to send. And because of the lockdown, obviously, people can't travel overseas still. So um, I'm sure there's going to be another big campaign when the borders because you can't really travel between borders as well so we're locked in each state but when that lifts and hopefully that will be soon I think they're talking before Christmas then people will be able to travel you know around Australia rather than overseas so that will be good for the pet travel book and then for the cat book well a lot of people can't travel overseas or maybe don't want to I think I'm quite reluctant to travel overseas at the moment Mm. I don't really want to wear a mask you know for 10 hours on a flight so I guess the cat book is a way of seeing a new country or you know or if you've been to Japan before seeing the country through different eyes and yeah so it's a way to travel but without traveling yeah I like that Um, and where can where can people find your books uh, so they're on Amazon, Book, uh, Book Depository, uh, WH Smiths, Waterstones, Foils, all of the big name places. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Predominantly online though, because I think if you if they're in stock, usually they the install ones are usually the brand new books, so they can order it in for you though if they don't have it in stock. Yeah. Okay, I think I will definitely be um, adding that to my Christmas list. I oh. think <laughs> you will definitely enjoy. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, you also guest write for the app Pets Forever. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, sure. So the Pets Forever app is a community app for pet lovers. And it's a place where people can get expert advice. So whether it's like a vet or behaviorist or I, so I'm predominantly travel, uh, people can write in and ask questions about 
what they would do if they were to, like you said, like, what would I do if I'm taking a cat on holiday? What do I need to do? Or where should I take it? Um, and they can share tips and stories with all, each other. And they can also have prof- little profiles of your pet as well. So you can interact with each other's pets. So yeah, it's a, it's a nice initiative. It's very um, community focused, which I like. Yeah. And educational yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and can people download that from anywhere? Yeah, yeah, it's available everywhere, anywhere. So yeah, if you just go to the app store, it's it's there, and it's international. Yeah, it's not only Australia based, so anyone can interact. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah. I don't think we um discussed, but Carla, you're originally from the UK. Um, what? Why did you decide to kind of move out? <laughs> Good and, yeah, why did you decide to travel? Uh, well, I think a lot of Brits will relate to this. Probably mainly the weather. <laughs> yeah um and uh I don't know I mean I love the UK and I probably will come back and live there at some stage I like I miss going to Europe we used to go you know the 25 pound flights to Barcelona or somewhere so I miss being that close to Europe um I think I was getting closer to 30 and the you know the opportunities stop um eventually so I wanted to get the working holiday visas. Yes. Um, and it was only supposed to be a year. And then I think, oh, I don't even, I, I'm in a denial. How, I'm not even sure how long I've been away for now, um, <laughs> a long time. Um, so, it, yeah, it was only supposed to be a year. And then it's a lot longer, obviously. So I guess life just, you know, if you put yourself in a different environment or different, dire- you take yourself in a different direction, things happen. So I would never have thought, I would be writing two books ever in a million years when I was at university. It was always a dream, but I didn't think it would have been achievable. So I think meeting, getting out of your kind of, I don't like to use the phrase comfort zone, but getting out of your immediate circle of friends maybe is quite healthy because you then you're challenged in a way. So you get to meet different people that you would never ordinarily interact with, but they all teach you something. And that's the really great thing about travel. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think my first big trip um, I took when I was at university was to India. Um, and oh, it, yeah. Yeah, it was with the British Council. Um, and I was selected um, as, as one of the lucky students to be able to get a place um, to travel there um, and to, to study for a little while while I was there. Um, and it honestly changed my life. So, I completely um, agree and also um, encourage people to, to, to do that too, to travel. And, and like you said, you never thought, you know, writing would be possible. And there's a part of me that feels like that, but I've always kind of internally felt like I do want to write at some point. Um, So yeah, maybe a trip somewhere will, will help inspire me. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're in the place, you write so much better as well, because then you're you're there and you can smell it, you can see it and your writing just improves so much. And it wasn't easy and I got lots of rejections, but I just kept on and on and on and on and on um, until I kind of perfected what I wanted to do. So it's not an easy journey, I wouldn't say, but then nothing really is. is it? So, yeah. Um, but you must have met some fantastic cats people on your travels. Do you have any favourite memories or anything to share about that? Yeah, well, I was an interesting question because I couldn't think of 
you know, one in particular. So I was discussing this with my partner and I was like, who, who should I talk about? Who should I talk about? And he <laughs> said, in the Philippines, the Philippines, you remember? So I was like, oh my God, Amy, of course. So uh, we were traveling and we did Philippines as a stopover. By, uh, we were going to Japan and we stayed in the Philippines for six days. I think on the way there or on the way back, I can't remember. And we went to Boracay and I've never been to the Philippines before. Um, and we were there for uh, probably two or three days. And I did see quite a lot of poverty and stray animals, but I didn't, you know, I mean, that's usual, like I've seen it in Thailand and everything. So I didn't, you know, it's upsetting, but I was like, don't get involved, Carl, don't get involved. You know, they, they don't look too bad. But then we met this one cat that was at the restaurant and he looked like he was going to die. He was a ginger, ginger boy, young cat. And I was like, I have to do something like it. It's just cruel. I, you know, I have the power to make a phone call potentially and change his life. So um, I could just couldn't leave it, you know. So uh, we went back to the hotel and I searched Animal Rescue Boracay and I found a Facebook group and I contacted them and they were amazing. They contacted me straight back and said, Amy's going to come show Amy where the cat is. So I met Amy. We walked along the beach and I showed her he was still there, thankfully, outside this um, restaurant that we'd had lunch in because he was so weak, like he couldn't have gone very far. Um, and so she boxed him up, took him away. Um, and I agreed to sponsor him because obviously it would have been very expensive to have brought him to Australia. Um, but one girl that I met actually through campaigning, she was British and she took um, did exactly the same as me and took a cat uh, to the UK and Amy arranged it all, uh, arranged getting him from Boracay to Manila Airport, wow. loaded him up on the plane for this British girl that she'd never met just for the welfare of the cat. And I was like, this woman is my hero. Yeah. Like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll never forget her. And I still sponsor the cat now. And uh, she rescued another cat. She did a post every every day, pretty much. She's rescuing dogs wow. and cats. And she did a call out about two months ago. She'd found a, a white cat and somebody had poured boiling water on it because it oh. kept going back to the same restaurant and it was in a really awful state. And she was like, can somebody please sponsor this cat so I can get it away from the restaurant and get it some much needed care? And I was like, yes, okay, I'll sponsor. I can't, you know, I have to be able to do something. So, um, yeah, I'm now sponsoring two cats. <laughs> That's so wonderful. And yeah, so this, so this group is called um, Aklan Animal Rescue, and it was set up by a Dutch guy. So he's, yeah, he's married to a Filipino woman, yeah. Filipina, I should say, and uh, they live there permanently, and they've got a big facility, and they have vets come over from Holland as well, so, like, trainee vets wow. and work and help to look after the animals. Yeah, so it's quite a, a big set up and they're trying to educate local people I think they've been involved with local government to do like trap and uh trap return yeah 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 you know what I mean (laughs) so um yeah phenomenal amazing so there's a lot of people doing a lot of good work that you just unfortunately don't really hear about Yes, but I always ask on this podcast for for people to, you know, give us more information so that um, I can kind of promote it and our listeners, if they want to get involved and support um, for for them to do that as well. So yes, please do send me over the details and I'll link any um, of the links in the show notes um, and remind us what that group is called again. 
It's called Ackland Animal Rescue and Rehabilitation in okay. Boracay. Oh, actually, no, it's not Boracay. It's somewhere else. But I'll send you the information. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, and what are your future hopes with writing? Because, you know, you've, you've written two amazing books now. Do you have any other kind of inspiration for any more books on the cards or...? Uh, yes, I do, actually, because oh. I wrote an article for, who was it now? Oh, the London Cat Cafe. So, you know, Lady Dina's yeah, yeah, Cat yeah. Emporium. So I wrote an article for them and it was, I think it was five life lessons from a Japanese cat, something along those lines. So um, that's kind of inspired me to carry on with that message. And a lot of the reviews I've got on Goodreads and Amazon is like, I really love the book. I hope she's going to do another one. So I was like, okay, if people like it, maybe I should, maybe I should do another one. And since we're still in lockdown, it's like, okay, there's no better time to write a book than now. So I'm currently working on that at the moment. Oh, fantastic. That's good news. I'm glad to hear that. I like it when <laughs> people have something new to share. That's really cool. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. But let, no worries. Let's move on to my favourite part of the show, being pets, um, specifically cats. But can you tell us about your life and journey with pets so far? Um, so, well, growing up, I always had uh, animals. So my aunt was a big inspiration in my life. She had a riding stables in Surrey. So I used to go there at the weekend and ride the horses. Uh, she had like barn cats for the mice to keep the mice yeah. away. And I remember we drove all the way up to Battersea from Surrey and got a rescue dog called Sandy that lived on lived at the stables as well so I was always surrounded by animals growing up which was amazing for me because I was an only child as well yeah um and then I guess when I went to university in London I was living in shared accommodation in Plasto and or Upton Park and we didn't yeah we didn't have the neighbor had some cats that used to come in and we'd say hello but we didn't have any of our own cats mm. um because we were students um so largely my life in London was catless and then the job opportunity came up in Japan and it was the apartment comes with two uh, cats, like resident cats. And I was like, that sounds awesome. I'm in. So, yeah, that's kind of the main motivator for me selecting that job, actually, was that they had cats. <laughs> um, but of course, when I uh, moved down, by the time I'd left that job, we had the two resident cats, Eco and Nico. I'd rescued Takashi, that was a very sick looking tabby and Gershwin and then when we moved to the other place we also rescued oh she's called Meow Chan because yeah 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 say it right yeah (laughs) it's a meowing cat so it's like Meow Chan Um, so her as well so I think by the time I left there was like five cats (laughs) so yeah that was tricky but I rehomed everybody everybody had an amazing home um so yeah, it was a really, really positive outcome. Yeah, and they were they were older cats as well. So I was always thinking, you know, it's kittens that will get rehomed, but no people were willing to take in the uh, older cats, which was lovely. Good. And you've yeah. got three cats now that you live with as well. Is that right? Yes, I have an Egyptian male that's very uh, naughty and demanding. I'm trying to train him not to be quite so demanding, but it's difficult <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so he's silver spotted and has green eyes. Oh. um 
We have Baka that we rescued. We call him the COVID kin, although he's not a kitten anymore, um, because we rescued him when COVID just happened. And he's a bottle-fed baby, so um, his mum abandoned him. So he was raised by humans, but he's very clingy because of it. So, you know, if you're away from him for an hour, he'll want to know what you're doing and jump up on you and give you a cuddle. And then we have Lulu that um, we rescued from Sydney that I used to feed at a cat colony and we used to do um, rehoming with them as well. So, yeah, Lulu's the oldest out of the three. Oh, bless. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's talk a bit more about Beautiful Gershwin, seeing as your book is um, kind of inspired by him. Um, tell us about your story together. Yeah, so uh, my partner actually found him on the streets. He was a tiny, tiny kitten and he was trying to cross the main road. And uh, my boyfriend ran to the local uh, supermarket to buy their like dried fish. So he teased him back and got him into a cat carrier with his dried fish that he loved. And uh, the journey all started from there. And um, yeah, I was like really hesitant at the time. I was like, we've already got these two resident cats and now we've got Gershwin maybe we should try and rehome him but we just couldn't like no one no one was interested so and then by that time we'd fallen in love with him anyway so then he moved to the other side of Japan with us so he rode on the Shinkansen which is the bullet train all across Japan um and Peter was so funny you know people were like oh your cat's so cute he's on the bullet train and he's having an adventure and it was really cool and uh then of course we moved further north and it was uh, much more colder and snowy. So we used to go on snowy walks around our uh, villa where we lived in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And in the autumn, the beautiful seasons of the uh, leaves changing colour, we used to walk all around the Hatariko Highlands. Yeah, it was amazing. Nice. Mm, very pretty. Um, yeah, would you say that those are some of your favourite memories together or do you have any other particular favourite memory with Gershwin? Um, I guess those are probably the standout ones because it was in his home country. So it was yes. it was really special. And the seasons change in Japan is just so beautiful. It's so distinct. And mm. you eat seasonal food there, which is amazing. You know, like we don't really seem to do that in Western countries so much. But the Japanese would bring in um, like the locals that would make tomatoes in the summer. Let's say they would bring in locally grown tomatoes or um persimmons which i didn't really know about in in england at the time um they were really big and people would used to bring in those and you, you would really eat with the seasons in japan which was really really cool um and then we obviously we brought him to australia uh he flew Qantas um, <laughs> and arrived in sydney and yeah i guess our travel journey took a different dimension i took him down the south coast in a hire car and we had a beach beach shack and he stayed close to the beach and the mountains in New South Wales yeah so he's been all over he's a very well-traveled guy yeah and did he like really adapt quite easily to to the traveling in a different climate um, he loved I think in Japan he loved like he loved going on car journeys I think probably the long-haul flight didn't he didn't like that and he had to quarantine for a month as well when he got to Sydney and he kind of went on a hunger strike he wouldn't eat their food so I used to go in uh, twice a week you're allowed to visit them so I used to go twice a week and bring him food that I knew that he would eat which was usually prawns he was mad for prawns um 
Yeah, so I don't know that he loved the quarantine. He probably didn't love the flight either, but he settled into Sydney life. I used to walk him around the local park. Um, yeah, and we had a roof, like a communal roof garden. So he used to come up to that and would be, you know, everyone would know him. And yeah, he loved the attention. <laughs> really? It sounds yeah. like he's like a little celebrity. Like he was supposed to be the celebrity and then you found him and that's what he was supposed to do. Yeah, and there was a beautiful moment, actually. There was a guy that lived uh, opposite us, and I used to talk to him in the park, and he could write Japanese. And one day I arrived to the park, and he'd written in kanji, Gershwin's Park, and he'd stuck it on the tree. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, he's renamed the park for my cat, which is cute. So sweet. So I'm guessing meeting Gershwin, both you and your partner, it changed your lives, right? Yeah, I mean, had we not have um, inherited the cats and found Gershwin, we probably yeah. would have left after, you know, nine months or a year. We wouldn't, I was supposed to go back to London and finish my master's degree, but that never happened. Yeah. Um, so it just took a whole different turn. And, you know, when you're... I don't know, sometimes you fight against those changes. I was like, oh, this isn't right. I'm supposed to be getting on with my life and getting an education, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, in actual fact, my life's turned out probably just as well or if not better than if I'd gone. But I mean, who knows? But I think sometimes you have to go with the flow and not try and fight things as much and just yeah. see what happens, see where it takes you. Yeah, yeah. What path life, you know, take you on? There's so many different paths and some paths just feel right. So you have to keep going. If you're open to it, yeah. I mean, I think at the time I was kind of a bit closed. It was I was like ruling my head, you know, not my heart. And I was yeah. like, I need to do all the hit all these goals and hit all of these targets, and I have to get a master. And I have to go back to London. And I have to get a good job. Da, 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 da. And then it just didn't happen. I remember in Japan I met a girl that was an interior designer, and she was really into feng shui, okay. and she she feng shui'd my apartment and put an island. We didn't have an island in our kitchen. And she said it was very bad. And then she did, uh, she said, I needed a vision board. And I kind of created a vision board and things did start to happen that I actually wanted to happen, you know? So yeah, there is something in it, I think. I think so too. Yeah. Um, if someone else met a homeless cat, say, on their travels and decided that they wanted to, you know, follow in your footsteps and, and give a cat a permanent home. Do you have any top tips that you would advise maybe, you know, from your experience with Gershwin? I think it really comes down to what country you're in. Um, in Japan, it was pretty easy to find. Uh, so the UK at the time, you had to find a vet that was a government nominated vet. And in Japan, that was easy because all of the vets are government nominated there's ways around it you don't have to always take the cat back with you you can sponsor and dogs as well obviously you can sponsor them so they stay in their home country as well okay so then someone would um take care of them and um you'd kind of get like some updates yeah yeah every month they send me a new photo and the wow. cat's weight and a little kind of story about her and i think it, it's so cheap i mean i think i pay I think it's eight euros I pay a month for each cat. Oh, so really? it's, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not much money to me, you know, I can definitely afford yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, but it gets the cats off the streets, you yeah. know, they get to sex, so they're not producing more unwanted yeah. kittens. So, yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's good to hmm. know. 
I think. I haven't really heard, well, I have kind of heard about that option, but most people usually talk about the rehoming, but it does make sense as well to, for some cats, they're happier in their own environment. So, um, yeah. Well, of course, and I mean, we have so many homeless cats in our own country, right? So it seems, yeah, although you're doing the right thing, you know, there's plenty of cats in your, uh, own country that need homing but we were so remote in japan i i think the nearest animal rescue there was only two and it was started at the time there there are more now um but at the time it was run it was started by a british lady actually called elizabeth oliver and she had two shelters one was in osaka and one was in tokyo so it was just too far for me to take the cats yeah so and we'd fallen in love with him by then as well so we definitely wanted him to come back Oh, um, yeah. but I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer, but why do you think cats make great pets? Uh, well, I think because they're so, yeah, they're so independent, aren't they? Um, I think all writers seem to love cats as well, so they must be very inspirational for writers. Uh, well, they're very cute and cuddly, aren't they? Well, when they want to be, they don't always want cuddles. Um, but, yeah, I think it's the independence that I kind of respect and admire. and. You don't have to walk them every day as well. Um, just it's an easy pet to have. Yeah. And it's like having a little bit of nature and wildlife in your own home. Yeah. And something to nurture, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you can be like a mum without having children. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, but lastly if our listeners want to find out more about you Carla your books your accounts online your website where can they find you okay so the cat with three passports is um uh, at cat with three passports and that's the digit not the word um you can also find the travel book which is for Australia predominantly that's um pet friendly Australia and on Twitter, I am Carla Francis Two. So, and the website is www.pet-friendlyaccommodation.com.au. Excellent. I'll be sure to put um, all of those links in the show notes. But I just want to say a big thank you again for coming on and talking to me today. This has honestly been such an uplifting conversation. Um, oh, good. Smiling throughout. <laughs> yeah, it's been really nice. And you've honestly made me so excited about Japan. Like, I just can't wait to go. Yeah, you must go. You must go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have some amazing guests on the show who share such invaluable advice, stories and inspiration. Can you do me a favour? If you like this podcast, please could you rate, review and subscribe. This will help us reach people who can benefit from listening. Another way you could help is if you could tell a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast too. See you next week. Goodbye.